give me a goddamn hell yeah. It's Force of Philip on the track, and we got a special treat today featuring on the track with me is my man, me the captain. Me the captain, what it do? So you see, we've been getting done dirty by Rite of Flame as of late, so we figured it's time we done did it dirty back. Let's go. When we light up the stage, it's right of flame you be casting. We were dumb and naive to think the worst that could happen was a couple sloppy goblins bombarding the red zone like hard and after we guzzled the dozen donuts, cardiac problem. How's a diet dog ritual gonna help you cash in? If Jeepers taught us one thing, this ain't we watches the gathering. Fully flavored, fully loaded, sauce it up, get messy. Slather up the graveyard, make it sweet, stick it zesty. Gluttony the game, right of flame, plays for keeps. Watsy be on fire with their band hammer streak. Adding right of flame to the pyre is nonsense, but this is right of fire design. So banning the conscience, cast one, double up, hat trick, flexing quad, single mana, seething songs like my angels, bless the top. Right of flame's dominant regardless of meta. The way culture wars the GOP's agenda. It don't apologize for not paying taxes. It doubles down and repeals the ban alliance and practice. Always lucky, never punished. That's what stone pilots do. Mile high club is screwing you too. Petals with right of flame is blasphemous. The game shouldn't be environmentally hazardous. The carpet of flowers already fill in the holes, except not if the islands are plains or mountains. Unless they're dyslexic This ain't 2012, it's 2021 and it's hectic Every card's got 10 yards of text like the scripture Right of flame takes the game's image, big picture While we quarantine in the midst of pandemic It's tough to send pizza or post signs at your entrance You could be our heroes by boosting morale Just ban right of flame like wishing for a card in exile Oh no Oh don't, oh, don't do that actually Cause you'll get DQ'd But you could stop global warming and save these fucking dolphins if you just ban Rider of Flame. Ban Rider of Flame, save the dolphins. Hashtag ban Rider of Flame, hashtag save the dolphins. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark. And with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, welcome back. Feels good to be back after, what, two weeks, three weeks off, three weeks away. I was traveling a lot for work, but I'm back. I'm ready to talk about the new spoilers. Uh, thank you to uh, Jake from Tantra Cartel for stepping in while I was away. And then and we took a week you... off as well. So I, you know, I got, I took a little, a, a little break as well, just to, you know, get in my vacation while I could too. The intro can now return to its normal state. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this week we're talking about uh, the battle for Baldur's Gate and Commander Legends set. And we're going to kind of just go over the cards that we think are worth looking at, possibly picking up, but overall just discussing, you know, what, what this set's got to offer for Legacy. There aren't too many guaranteed hitters, but yeah. there are, there are there are some potential role players. I've got a I've got a list of twenty three cards that we can uh, that we can talk about chirp chirp a bit about uh, see yeah, see how sure. that goes. This episode is sponsored by the subscribe button. If you come here every month to find out uh, what's on the hype train, just hit the subscribe button now. Like just do, do yourself a favor. You're going to be here anyhow. 
you might as well help us out. Hit that subscribe button. It goes a long way to making sure that, uh, you know, we get we get this content out to other people as well. With that said, let's start it off at Elminster. Just just Elminster, the Planeswalker Elminster. Let's, uh, let's say what he does. He is a, a blue-white Planeswalker. Uh, he costs three, one white, and one blue. Legendary Planeswalker Elminster. Uh, whenever you scry the next instant or sorcery spell... You cast costs X less to cast, where X is the number of cards you looked at while scrying this way. And it has a plus two, that is draw a card, then scry two. So that's... Uh, Serum Visions. Serum Visions. Uh, and then a negative three, that is exile the top card of your library. You create a number of blue 1-1 fairy dragon tokens equal to the converted mana cost of this card. And he can be your commander, which is, you know, worthless text in, in our format. Those tokens have flying, by the way. And they have flying. Yeah, they are blue fairy dragons with flying. That's relevant text, yeah. Yeah. Phil, what do you think about the, this? You've got Wandering Emperor, right? Like, Wandering Emperor seems like the, the new hotness in your in your blue-white X-control decks. You think this the even first, has a place? The first thing that jumps out to me is the templating of where X is the number of cards looked at while scrying this way, instead of X is the number of cards you scryed. I think it's interesting that they don't just make scry the verb. We had to talk about this card because it's the marquee card of the set. Yeah. But it has it has no shot. Let's say you you were even remotely in the market for a five mana planeswalker. This isn't even close to Teferi Hero of Dominaria. Hero of Dominaria. And that yeah, card, yeah, right. That card actually has relevant text at all times. Whereas even though this one has a plus two, it exiling the top card. If you don't know the top card, you you will you could you could flip a land and make zero tokens. Yeah. Whereas Teferi will just remove whatever a problem permanent you have is this one gives you a serum visions to fairies gives you draw a card plus produce two mana because you get to untap and let's not so, forget about that ultimate like holy crap and that the ultimate, ultimate on fairy hero dominary is, is is game ending right the other thing about this is that like the, the static ability on elminster means that you need to put enough scry in your deck the time you have a five minute planeswalker you would then have cards that scry after the fact to actually turn this on now, I get that it helps itself, right? It, it, it functionally reduces an instant or sorcery by two if you plus it. That is all to say that the numbers on this are too high. It is too expensive. Yeah, I think if this was a three-mana Planeswalker, we'd be talking about it in a more serious sense. Uh, I and- think if it were a three-mana Planeswalker with just, like, smaller numbers on it, would it, it still would be tough because you're competing against Narset and yeah. Teferi Time Raveler, which means that you would unlikely see any play, particularly in these colors. There would actually be way more of a conversation to be had there because at yeah. that point... You could theoretically be like, okay, on three, and then if you have a bunch of preordains in your deck, you could draw a card, scry two, preordain, scry two, and then, you know, cast some massive discounted card, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next card, another Planeswalker. This is Miskin Boo Timeless Heroes. I'm I'm sweet on this card, actually. Uh, anyhow, let's, let's go over what it does. It is a two red-green Planeswalker Misk. Uh, and when it comes into the battlefield, you get a, uh, and during your upkeep, you get a Boo Legendary 1-1 Red Hamster Creature Token with Trample and Haste. His plus one is put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature with Trample or Haste. Negative two is Sacrifice a Creature when you do Miskin Boo Timeless Heroes deals X damage to any target where X is the creature's power that you sacrificed. And then if the sacrificed creature was a hamster, draw X cards. And it had, starts out at three. When this card was first spoiled, I remember I texted the chat with you and Nate, and I was like, this is stupid. I hate this. There's way too many words on it that all do too many 
things and it's way too good and it's just all free and it's just awful. Cart, I assume you had a stroke and realized that and forgot that days exist. Card is very good. It's like for the role of a four mana planeswalker that dodges pyroblast, this one is exceptional. It produces a threat, it draws cards, it can remove permanents, including planeswalkers, because it's any target. It is a sacrifice outlet if you're yeah. interested in something like that. Like there are a lot of words on this card that are really attractive. Yeah. The one downside, though, is that unlike most Planeswalkers, this one has an ETB trigger, which means that you can respond you can to that trigger. <laughs> so you can you could stifle it and you could you you could stifle it making boo the hamster but the other thing is is that normally when you play a planeswalker if it resolves you have priority to activate it so a, a great example of this is if i played jace the mind sculptor and it sticks i can plus to it before you can lightning bolt it so it can survive a lightning bolt because yep. you don't a have a window a to actually point. cast it whereas here minsk and boo this will come in the trigger to put boo onto the table will go onto the stack and while that's there, you Boom. can bolt it and remove yeah. this target. So they will still get a hamster, but four mana for a one one, even yeah, though it's four mana for a one card, one trample trample hamster. Trample hamster. Ooh, I love right? saying that. That ain't it. <laughs> like there's so many words on this card, and all of them are so good. And I think the only thing holding it back from actually being a, a, a powerhouse, uh, because it gets around pyroblast, is specifically the ETB interaction and lightning yeah. bolt. And when blue red delver is the best deck, you're something you have to really yeah, hard you definitely have to convert this. this. But I, I just like that this is like a possible, like I've been wanting a rug control style deck for a while and there's no good top end. And this card feels like it could be a top end. Because it's not blue, there is space in, I mean, I get that Uro is down at the moment, but like the four color control decks that play, you know, a smattering of random threats. And this seems like it it could be in a really good space for something like that. Being a, a really solid value planeswalker that dodges power blast. I think that's like, I keep reiterating that, but that's really the most powerful part of this card is that it has powerful abilities that you want on a Planeswalker that isn't pyroblastable and is in colors that aren't white, where there's like a plethora of different Planeswalkers you could play between Wandering Emperor and Gideon and Elspeth and whatever, you know? Well, here's the wild thing about this card, right? Let's say you put it into play and you're immediately attacking with a, with a 4-4, right? Like yeah. it's got haste. Boom. You're attacking with a 4-4. Then you untap and you can attack with that 4-4 again and dome them. That's 12 damage in, t- in the course of two turns. It's a really fast clock. You're drawing four cards in that sequence. And the other thing about this is that similar to how Oka would come down and it was functionally a 3-3 haste a lot of the time, yeah. or, you know, old Tezra would make an artifact 5-5 haste those types of planeswalkers are really good at beating up other planeswalkers and in decks like four color or you know the control decks that would otherwise have difficulty with like jeskai days undoing where there's just like all these planeswalkers and if you're not mainboarding pyroblast they're really difficult to deal with a card like this could really do a lot of work in those types of matchups of all the cards that we talk about today i think this one is going to be most likely to be like the sideboard pivot for those types of control decks. i can see it have homes which is why I'm high on it to actually see some play. I don't think it's as good as I thought it was when it was first spoiled because I didn't think through the ETB interactions. But barring that, I think we'll, th- this will show up and people will be playing with it because the, the, the power level on what it can do when it does get to do things is insane. Yeah. I skipped over Tasha. I don't know. Do, do you think Tasha is even worth talking about? Too expensive. Yeah, too expensive. That's right. Five mana planeswalkers are a little are, are, are always a just rough go the, in this format. The, the issue with these five mana planeswalkers that are essentially control cards is that it is actually much more of a weakness to be blue at that mana cost in legacy exactly. than another format. Yeah. In other spots where blue cards are good because you want to have a high enough blue count to support like a force of will count or whatever. Once you get past, like, once you're past Jace the Mind Sculptor, which is already somewhat of a liability these days, you have to be at four mana or lower and be doing something as powerful as what Jace can offer in order to take the risk for 
a format where Power Blast is just ubiquitous at this point. Next on the list, uh, I, I I put down Ancient Brass Dragon, but I really just want to talk about all of the ancient ancient dragons as as like reanimator targets. So the the white one, so they're all they all have different power and toughnesses. They all cost between six and eight mana. The white one seven mana for a seven ten, and he makes a D twenty fairy token, like the flying blue blue dragon fairy tokens. When he hits blue one, uh, draws D twenty cards. And then you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. He's an 8-8 for 8 mana. The black one is a 7-6. He reanimates X or less converted mana cost from the graveyard. All when you do you have total mana value. number of so, targets. Oh, okay. Total mana value. Total so mana if, you roll, if, okay. you roll, if you roll a 10, you can pull 10 CMC worth of cards out of a graveyard. Still very good. Copper Dragon makes treasures. He's a 6-5 for 6. And the Ancient Bronze Dragon, which is green, is 7 mana for a 7-7. Seven, seven, and it's plus 1, plus 1 counters on each of two, up to two targets uh, distributed, it looks like. So theoretically, Ancient Bronze Dragon can come down as a 7 mana 27-27. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it, if, it, that, if it hits that turn. If, right? you hit a na- if you hit the natural 20, yeah. Yeah. So none of these cards are going to see play because Grizzlebrand exists. As yeah, well, that's that's exactly where, where I'm going with this. Is like Ancient Silver Dragon, uh, Ancient Brass Dragon both look interesting. Even the Ancient Gold Dragon, uh, the, the Esper Dragons look interesting in terms of like i would reanimate this and love it and and look you could you could even make a a, a point to say look because archon of cruelty exists you can't even deal with these because archon of cruelty is very good and you get that etb trigger on top of it but because grizzlebrand exists we're not going to be playing with any of these and i think until grizzlebrand leaves the format which you know who knows if that'll ever happen we're not gonna we're not gonna see any of these uh hit play i'm excited to play them in my uh in my edh reanimator deck but that's about it because you have to roll a d20 as part of their gimmick the only ones that you would even conceivably consider are the ones that can't miss so brass dragon if you're playing a reanimator deck you're not putting not fat things in your graveyard so if you roll like a four off of your d20 and then miss and you just put a seven six flyer into play you're gonna feel really bad copper dragon can't miss and that you're guaranteed at least one treasure but that's not good enough for what it does. <laughs> i mean is that is, i consider that missing ancient bronze dragon only giving you power isn't as good as something like yeah. uh grave titan if that's what you're interested in yeah. and that's where i also bring like silver dragon is just competing with grizzlebrand for drawing cards and grizzlebrand does it better plus it has lifelink the ancient gold dragon i think is probably the closest one because it's the only one that's doing yeah, it anything goes wide maybe unique for the those types of deck between dark ritual grave titans actually castable like hard castable so if you're yep. interested in a threat that produces a board that goes wide that isn't legendary there's no reason why you would move over to white where here potentially you could roll if you rolled a 13 like let's say your opponent didn't crack a fetch or whatever they're still at 20 and you roll the 13 or above you theoretically have uh, lethal damage in the air, which is potentially really powerful. The issue, though, is that like the the floor on it is so much lower than Grave Titan, which will more or less do something equivalent, and it's hardcastable, which is an absolute game changer by comparison. So yeah. I think these are these are too low by the standards of other fatties that they have available. This goes in the on the list of other cards that we would have to consider if Grizzlebrand went away. We literally have to go s- scoop through like every set from the last like 10 years to see if something was worth uh, worth playing over Grizzlebrand uh, or, you know, without Grizzlebrand. So let's talk about uh, Packed Weapon. Four mana equipment. It's three and a black. This is the big part. 
As long as packed weapon is attached to a creature, you don't lose the game for having zero or less life. When it attacks, draw and reveal a card. Uh, you get plus X plus X until uh, end of turn, and you lose X life for X is that card mana value. And it's equipped as discard a card. The reason why I, why I even want to mention this card is the equip co- cost is relatively low, and the the plus X plus O is negated by like the life loss there is negated by the fact that you can throw this onto you know like throw this onto a creature for free, and you don't lose the game if you hit something huge. The uh, yeah. and here's here's my other issue though. Is the only thing that the only deck that I could see this working in and working is a stretch is like death and taxes because then you could just flash it in, you know, and then discard a card. Yeah, I mean, it being four mana is pretty tough, but it is in the fast mana color. I I, I think if, if this card sees play, it's obviously going to be a combo card. This is a Phyrexian yeah. Unlife that's in the color that yeah. it actually wants to be in. The thing is that it requires a creature. If this is part of some combo deck, I wouldn't be surprised because it is a really powerful ability and equipping for functionally free is really good. Once, you're, once you or your opponent discards a card to equip it, the game should end. Whatever is going on with this card, the game should yeah. end. Whenever it attacks you draw a card and reveal it that's if the combo was somehow otherwise disrupted well here's yeah. here's here's my stance is the, the place that i think this w- that this will see play if it does see play is actually going to be in death and taxes out of the board so like if you're playing against a deck that you know they gotta splash black yeah but they're not reaching into black for this card what do you mean you gotta splash black you just get it with uh what's it called you're not putting in equipment that you, that you can't yeah. cast in your yeah. deck but okay let's say you're playing against a deck that has no creature removal if you slam this yeah you're not you're not, you're, you're not but you're not putting this in your deck assuming that you're going to play against uh, against decks that don't have any creature removal in the format where creature decks are the best decks i like your optimism on this card but it, if it sees play <laughs> it's in a broken combo deck that we haven't foreseen yet this is speaking of broken combo decks storm king's thunder uh storm king's thunder is x red 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 when you cast your next instant sorcery, this spell, uh, this turn, copy that spell X times, you may choose new targets for the copy. I am positive that this could be broken somehow. I just don't know how off the top of my head. I think this card's artwork is broken. It, the artwork is sick. Here's the thing. Do do I know how this card is going to be broken? Do I think that there are better things you could be doing with, with your mana? Certainly. But I think that, like, you know, this might be something as, like, a weird backup plan in, like, Charbelcher or something like that. I, I don't know. But I, I just, it's a really interesting card, and we've seen this effect, but never to this level before. And I think it's worth mentioning and, and, and having in your back pocket as a thing that might happen. There are two reasons why this card will never see play. Triple red, but it requires a lot of mana. You already need a lot of mana you're not getting the first copy until you spend four mana so there's no value to be had with this it is part of the combo kill of whatever that combo kill may be so you need a ton of mana and then by itself it does nothing it needs something else as well not only do you need to have developed to the point where you have a ton of mana you then also need to be in a high resource situation where you have a follow-up ruby storm dude (laughs) <laughs> the combination of that in this format, it is an instant, but like there's just no way that this sees play. However, I think that this will be the premier art for playmats out of this set. It's, because it's this a is sick, the best it's art, sick art, yeah. This is this is this is not close to the best art in the set. Let's go with uh Volo Itinerant Scholar. Two and a blue for a two-three human wizard. When Volo enters the battlefield, create Volo's Journal, a legendary colorless artifact token with hexproof. And whenever you cast a creature spell, note one of its creature types that hasn't been noted for this artifact. Then you can tap two and tap Volo. Draw a card for each creature noted for target permanent you control named Volo's Journal. Wow, that's a, yeah, that was that's a that, that was that was a journey. So <laughs> yeah. this card is this card is way easier in practice than it is in the way. Yeah, that 
holy crap template it for it they have to template it this way so it actually works within the rules yeah but it's way easier flavorfully with what they're going for it just yeah it's full of journals doing the tapping it. but it's not yeah yeah they're, they're, when it comes in you create the journal every time you cast a creature you know what kind of creature type it is for the journal and then you tap the journal and draw cards equal to the number of creature types in the journal it's a really simple concept that just requires an entire novel to yeah. get across within so, the rule set so my my thought here is uh if we look at a deck like infect that plays like basically three different creature types this gives this gives decks that don't play the same creature type that are that want to kind of be a tribal deck a chance a chance to go like even like og rug delver right you've got human you've got wizard you've got mongoose you've got goif right now you're drawing four cards. You know? There's no way, dude. There's no way. <laughs> three mana, two, three. That then requires you. No, to but look. Other this is before. this is this is the the way this is set up is like this is a late game, mid game control card, right? Like when you you're not you're not playing this like oh man, I need to get this out as fast as possible. But like if you get this out early and it sticks around for a little while, one, you're it's a lightning rod. Your opponent is going to want to kill this thing, right? There, there's some there's something to this effect. And, and hitting just once, like if you draw like three cards or four cards off of this, it's going to feel pretty good. And your opponent's going to have to spend a card to get rid of it. There is a clear, there's a distinct design choice with this card that will make it unplayable when it otherwise would have been, which is the ability to tap and draw cards equal to the number of creature types noted in Volo's journal is on Volo is on and Volo. not on the journal. Yeah. If it were on the journal, if, if, if he came in, gave you a hexproof artifact that had two tap draw a card for each creature type noted on it, that's really powerful because now you have a draw engine that they can't remove from the table that going long. But this is a two, three that needs mana every turn plus creatures every turn. So like, let's say you play this. It's a two, three, you get the journal. It's awesome. You have to cast another creature. That creature then will put a note on Volo's journal. Yeah. Then you can tap two to draw a card. That's a lot of mana and a lot it of is, things happening when your the, opponent's think, just casting a Murktide region. Yeah, well, yeah. I think the hardest part of this is that the mana investment's big, but it's actually the fact that it doesn't necessarily do anything until you cast a second creature, right? That's the rough part. I Like, if I was playing Infect and had this in my deck, I've probably already lost like two or three creatures by the time this comes out. And so getting that third or fourth creature, and, it, and also I'm not getting my, anything for my man lands, right? But I think if you could get the payoff of drawing like two two cards off of this and your opponent have, like being like, I got to kill this thing. That's where, yeah. like, that's your best, that's your best bet. It's such an interesting and weird effect that I almost feel like a Grixis pile deck would be like, oh, I'll just play one. You know, I'm gonna I get really, that I, back with uh, you know, whatever. No, I mean, you. This is this is a three mana. If you're playing Grixis, it's competing with Narset. You also are going to be priced into playing a bunch of creatures. It by itself isn't good enough. It's it's blue Come on, three two, mana. It, it's just like it's a really cool card, but it just does. It has too many things, too many hoops. It's not also. It's not even a combo card in a sense that like you can't play it with like a changeling and then pick up and spam the changeling. Yeah, you know. I guess you could because you could note a different creature type for whatever. But at that point, it's like, now I'm just explaining to you what a learn is. And they already have Uro. Yeah. Uh, all right. So next is Lizelle Velas Champion. Val- Valkis Champion. This is a three mana, three, three uh, for one and or two and a white. If you would put a one or more counters on a creature or planeswalker you control or on yourself, put that many plus one of each of those kinds of counters on that permanent instead, choose a background. The choose a background, obviously not that important. Three mana, three, three is fine. I'm just trying to think, like, is there any time where we want to be putting, like, is anybody playing, like, 
a version of uh, Death and Taxes with like Valley as Lieutenant and and uh, what, what's that other new card? The one that gives plus one like at the beginning of combat. So the explanation of all of these cards is that this card is going to be win more a lot of the time. If you're doing things where you're able to span a bunch of counters, it's already you're you're going to be good. Yeah. At three mana, it's not an enabler in Legacy. It would need to be a payoff. And yeah. there are cheaper versions of this effect at two mana. And there's a version on the enchantment for, at green for one mana. This is not going to see play at all. All right. As cool as it is. Let's talk about Gale, Waterdeep Prodigy. Uh, I talked with Jake about this a little bit, and, and I, I, I'm really coming around on this one. Two and a blue for a 1-3 legendary human wizard. Whenever you cast an insert or sorcery spell from your hand, you may... Cast up to one target card of the other type from your graveyard. If this spell is cast from your graveyard, then you exile it. Yep. I mean, I think this card is too expensive. At this point in Legacy, three mana is just way too much for something that doesn't give you immediate value. You're contending with Uro. You're contending with the three mana walkers from War of the Spark. You're contending with actual combo pieces like show and tell. It's just too steep. Add two mana. We're going to note this because later on, if this becomes a Dreadhorde Arcanist. <laughs> I just think that like Dreadhorde Arcanist on a naked board with stuff in your graveyard plays. And it was whatever you wanted at one mana. Yeah. Whereas this one, if you want the bolt out of your yard, you need to cast a sorcery from your hand, yeah. which means that there is an additional hoop that you actually need to jump through. This card's only going to be good in very high resource situations. This yeah. is not going to be good on a naked board. Plus it's three mana. Plus it's fragile and dies to everything in the format. I think that like the effect is really good. If this were to get rolling, it would be really powerful if you can protect it. But the thing is, I don't understand why anybody would sleeve this up as opposed to just putting Teferi Time Rappler in their deck. And that sucks because Teferi Time Rappler sucks yeah. and would be the format would be better without it. But my, I, I think it, my like, biggest concern about this card, aside from what you mentioned, is let's say, you know, like you do, it's the end of your opponent's turn and you want to cast an instant. Well, now you're not right. getting all the value out because you can't cast that sorcery that you wanted to cast. So that's that's my biggest concern is if you could, if, if it's allowed you to cast that sorcery at instant speed, we might we might have something here. I think the other thing about these cards is that they, the, like they're in their prices reflected the fact that choose a background is functionally draw a card. Yeah. And in Legacy, that just has no text. Yeah. So it's all a little bit overcosted. Whereas, like, if it didn't have choose a background, maybe they make it one in a blue, and then maybe we're having a different conversation. Yeah. But otherwise, I think Gale is just going to be a cool card that we'll never actually play with. Uh, it, in that light, and I only want to touch on this for just a second, is Will Blade of Frontiers, who is a 1-1 for one in a red, and reads, if you would roll one or more dice, instead roll that many dice plus one and ignore the lowest result. Whenever you roll one or more dice, put a plus one, plus one counter on Will Blade of Frontiers. And my only question is, is there any card that allows you to roll like an unlimited number of dice that this card just accidentally automatically combos with? Uh, that's the only way that it'll be playable. Yeah, because that, that's that's the thing is like, I, I couldn't think off the top of my head as I was looking through these for this for this episode. But I was like, I wonder if there's like, you know, is that chicken from Unglued that like lets you roll two dice whenever it attacks or something. Yeah, I mean, this one is roll one <laughs> or more dice. So the card would have to make, allow you to cast. Yeah, well, it'd be like a zero, dice. roll a die, you know, like for well, that's that, what so it is. every like, instance it, of, of die rolling. Yeah, so I think there isn't there an Afrit? That, no, the, the Afrit is flip a coin, not roll that's a That's flip a coin, and, that's, uh, and, and that goes along with Chance Encounter. Which is uh, yeah. actually the uh, Splinter Twin of that format. Uh, what is that? What is that format called? Chance Encounter. There it is. Of Premodern. So Chance Encounter reads: Whenever you would flip a coin, put a luck counter on Chance Encounter at the beginning of your upkeep. Mm-hmm. 
if chance encounter has 10 or more elk counters, you win the game. Right. So it's literally, yeah, you, just, you know, it's flip the coins 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. So you would need, you would need uh, the, the, the card that would need to roll the dice would need to allow you to roll an infinite number of instances of dice rolling as opposed yeah. to just, an, you know, yeah, just like you know, choose, pick choose. a number. Yeah. It, yeah, it's not roll X dice because that would only put one plus one plus one. Yeah. Kind of, I think I think we're never going to see this in play because that implies that you're playing dice rolling cards in your deck, in which case yes. your deck is going to be bad. Yes, very true. Okay, so uh, White Plume Adventure is a two mana, uh, sorry, two mana and one white, three three or cleric. Whenever White Plume Adventure enters the battlefield, you take the initiative at the beginning of each of your opponents. Upkeep, untap all creatures you control if you've completed a dungeon. Untap, untap a creature, a oh, creature, sorry, not a all creature. creature. And if you've completed a dungeon, you can untap all creatures. So the only reason I talk about this card is because Take the Initiative is basically like kind of a slightly less powerful, at first at least, uh, version of the Monarch, right? And this is the only card I saw that looks somewhat playable as far as like, uh, you could throw this in and like the incidental value it seems okay, just as a three mana three three, I mean, no one's like hankering for a three mana three three for sure. The untappability, so that's something, and then uh, and then take the initiative. So getting getting to use the initiative, I think, uh, and going into the undercity is is the big part here. I, I I hate to be the downer, but again, this card is like legacy is just too powerful at the moment. Like a three mana three three that doesn't draw a card, taking the initiative is like it's an effect. It's yeah. not bad, but it's not draw a card, and there are too many three drops that ETB and just draw a card plus something else. So you, you think know, like, that a four drop that exiles a creature and then draws a card at the end of the turn uh, is better in the, in the, what the prisoner guard guy than, than taking the initiative. Uh, oh, as a oh, in, in, oh, you mean palace jailer? Yeah. Palace jailer. Well, palace jailer is uh, a removal spell that also theoretically draws you, just gives you a personal howling mind. That's entirely yeah. different. That howling mind is then on the board for, uh, you know, the rest of the game. And theoretically, is drawing you more than one card. Well, if you're this so in the position you want the thing to, the thing one, to point one, out about take the initiative, initiative one time. No, take the initiative happens at the beginning of your upkeep as long as you have the initiative. Right, but I'm saying that even if you go through the dungeon, like let's say you take the initiative five times, is that still better than just having the monarch one time? I mean, yes, that th- then it is. But yeah, I, I mean, I totally get what you're saying. Th- like I said, this is a card I, I picked because I think this is the closest we're gonna get. And this, at least, to taking the initiative and actually seeing it be close to playable, which is a shame because I really like the idea. Don't get me wrong. I would love it if a bunch of cards from this set would make it because they are fun-looking cards. I think the format is just, you know, constrained by all of the power creep from the last couple of years where every three drop has to either win the game by itself immediately or draw a card and do something else that's broken. Let's check out Descent into Avernus. Uh, this is a another three mana card, two and a red for a enchantment that reads, at the beginning of your upkeep, put two descent counters onto descent into Avernus. Then each player creates X treasure tokens, and descent into Avernus deals X damage, where X is the number of counters on descent into Avernus. So this is very close to a like sulfurous vor- vortex card, but it's like kind of giving both players like access to a lot of mana. So every turn it's doing two damage and then it's adding two counters and doing two more damage. And then two and then more. Two so more it's, damage. It's, it's so it's like f- every two, yes. four, six, like it can right. really get, spin out of control. Now it's doing it to both players. Yes. Then each player creates treasure tokens and Descent into Madness deals X damage to each player where X is the number of Descent counters on it, 
which now, means that it's sort of like sulfuric vortex. Uh, sulfuric vortex, except it doesn't have the most important line of text on that you card, which is players can't yeah. gain life. And this also, at the beginning of your upkeep, will also ramp your opponent twice. Yes. It ramps you too, it, though. So you're, there's parity there, at least. Helping your opponent, though, is... It's <laughs> bad, is, yes, of course. If In the format, if you're playing a card that voluntarily helps your opponent at no cost for your opponent, it's unplayable. Yeah. Unless it ends the game immediately, but this one doesn't. This one comes close to ending the game pretty quickly, though. This can get out of control uh, really fast. But you just said it yourself, right? Like, we're not playing this if Sulfuric Vortex exists. Uh, yeah, uh, if we're yeah, interested I mean, in the damage. If we're interested in damage. I get that this kills faster, but the thing is, is that, like, the one thing that if I'm under a Sulfuric Vortex that I need to help me get out from under it, is more resources to cast my spells to help me get out of it. So if I am, if you play this on three, and then on your next turn, I now have six mana at my disposal, I'm way more likely to be able to find my answer to this card than if I were stuck on three mana or two mana and can't get under it. You know, I didn't write and there's it no down. prison effect. I didn't write it down, but we should talk about Archivist of Agma uh, for uh, two, two mana as a two-two with flash. It says whenever an opponent searches their library, you gain a life and draw a card. Say that again. Whenever an opponent searches their library, you gain a life and draw a card. Oh, 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 yeah. On the next, on the two minutes, two, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I mean, this that card, card's just obviously pretty playable. I think this one seems obviously playable to me, but I don't know if it's actually going to see play because it doesn't disrupt your opponent in a meaningful way. Yeah. It helps you, and therefore it's good. But it's a two-two for two that your opponent theoretically could play around. And the ones where, like, the decks that you're playing this in, let's say you're playing this and your opponent is on Storm and they're searching their library a bunch and you're drawing a bunch of cards and gaining a bunch of life. If you're not in a deck that doesn't have ways to interact with them, getting cards out of their deck from those tutor effects, then it's not actually going to net you any benefit except you're going to have more spells to look at while you die. If you are playing this (laughs) in a deck like that, that means that you're devoting a slot in your deck to being a two-mana two-two that your opponent could play around if the game has sufficiently developed. Like if the game hasn't developed and this is a two-mana two-two and somehow it sticks around and your opponent has to fetch in order to develop and you're just drawing cards, that's great. But your opponent will get to choose, for the most part, when this thing will trigger. Maybe not on the first go because you have Flash, in which case you you're gonna, traded yeah, you're a two-mana gonna... two-two to get a card. But the fact that... It's and a life. And, you, and a life. <laughs> it, it's not that this card is bad. It's just that like the, the first time you get somebody with it, right? Like, okay, it's my turn two. You were on the play. I crack a fetch to get my second mana source. They keep going. You put this into play. You get a life and draw a card. I'm not going to feel too bad about the fact that you got that first card because you had to offset the fact that this card was in your deck. And a two-mana 2-2 ain't it, right? Yeah. So if I can just maneuver around this card in some, any reasonable capacity, the fact that it's not disrupting me beyond if I need to continue cracking fetches in order to develop, let's say average, you're running 20 lands. Let's say eight of them are, eight or nine of them are fetch lands right? Which means that you're going to hit approximately 50%, a little under 50% of my mana base, which means that not only would this card, could I play around this card with my fetch lines potentially, but I would also need to draw the correct half of my deck that you don't have control over in order for this to trigger. The longer I thought about this, the longer I was off of it, even though the text is seemingly powerful. So I wouldn't be surprised if it showed up in some number, but I think the, the fact that it's competing against other things that are extremely disruptive, like Thalia, Spirit of the Labyrinth, like value two drops, like Stoneforge Mystic. My biggest, my biggest gripe about this card is that the the deck that would play this is not the deck that wants to play this. 
right? right? Like you would rather play this in a blue, uh, like a blue control deck where you could use that to your advantage by gaining counter spells and dis- then disrupting your opponent's plan, right? But that's yeah. not the deck that's going to even play this. It's going to be in a death and taxes deck that's already like, there's other cards are doing that, but it's not, if your opponent goes off and like has to search the deck twice in a turn or something like that, you're not going to stop them from doing that with your with your stuff. And they might have use that already to one win the game at that point to get the value off the card it's based on a condition that you don't control mm-hmm. and because you don't control that condition it's not a reliable means to actually get that effect even though you might incidentally get that effect every once in a while you that you can't control the game state where this will trigger and matter means that it's really really difficult to figure out how to build this with build a deck with this in mind as a meaningful card next is Abdel Adrian Gorian's Ward. Uh, we talked about this last week, but I wanted to bring it up here too, just in case you uh, didn't check out last week or you're just seeing what's what's what on uh, on this review. Uh, this is a five mana that's one, uh, one white and four colorless for a four four legendary human warrior. When Abdel Adrian Gorian's Ward enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non land permanents you control until it leaves the battlefield. Create a 1-1 one, one white soldier token for each permanent exile this way. So this is basically just like a possibly castable version of Rogorger Dragon. And I, So I was thinking about that too, because I remember when this card was first foiled and everybody was like, oh, it's a World Gorger that's been fixed because you can choose to stop the loop if you want to. And I was like, well, there's something really distinctly different about this and why it's not as powerful as World Gorger is that it's non-land permanent. Yes. World Gorger gives you infinite mana. And that's yeah. part of a lot of its combo kills yeah. is you'll kill with a particular land, whether it's Prana Marsh or the land that or Nefalia Drown Yard or whatever it is that people did once upon a time. You know, whatever whatever the, the yeah. land based combo is, where you know it means that you could reanimate on an empty board with the too, otherwise land. Yeah. This one requires you to have something else on the table to exile in order to at least get the one ones. It, it, I, I just don't think it's. Well, it's going to start enough, with right? the, it's going to start with the uh, Abdel, right? And then, well, Abdel is going to remove the enchantment, and then it will go away, and the enchantment will come back, and then you bring back Abdel the same way that you do it with World Gorger. Yeah. So you can you can theoretically, if you if you're doing that, you make infinite one ones, but yes. infinite one ones is not a kill. Not doing it. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Infinite you'll one need, ones. You'll need a like altar of dementia or something like that to 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 win, right? Yeah, it's it's possible that this is better in exactly that combo if you think. That having a four mana four four that's reasonably castable and empty the warrants is good enough. But in actuality, if you're playing this card and you put it into play and make and just empty the warrants for infinite, get to untap. But the fact that you get to untap and the fact that you have to pass the turn with your combo deck seems not strong. Yeah, it's no one loves no one loves to pass the turn with their combo deck. I I, I haven't I haven't played enough World Gorger Dragon to know if that's a reasonable thing to do or not. But it would strike me as you have to have Phil Phil on for that. If you're playing a bad card in your deck, like uh, Abdel or World Gorger, and you're doing it in a, a combo shell, like anything with Animate Dead, then it would make sense to me that you don't actually have the built-in redundant resiliency to pass the turn. Yeah. I've never had to but, say his last name out loud. Uh, Phil Nguyen? World yeah, he's Gorger great. Dragon. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's our guy for World Gorger Dragon tech. Yeah. He, in, he, in every if, format if, that allows it. If anybody's figuring out if Abdel is the way to go, it's going to be him. And I hope that he does. And I hope that when he does, I'm not sitting across the table from him. Yes. All right. Uh, next on the list here, Vicona, uh, Viconia Drow Apostate. This is a 
three mana, two and a black for a two, three elf cleric at the beginning of your upkeep. If there are four or more creature cards in your graveyard, return one creature, a card at random, a uh, creature card at random from your graveyard to your hand. The I only think... place I'm seeing this is like the, we get, we get at least two, one to two of these a set. This could go in Nick fit. You're you say the only place I can see it. And that's one more place than I can see it. Fair enough. Let's move on. Aranus Gloomstalker. This is a, another three mana, three, three, two and a, and a uh, green for a death touch. Whenever Aranus Gloomstalker attacks, return target land from your graveyard to the battlefield. This one I actually think might might have something going on with it. This one's a little bit more interesting to me because it is a green sun zenith target. It being it having death touch is maybe relevant in certain metagames. Because you have to attack to return a land from your graveyard to the battlefield, the obvious comparison is Remnant Excavator. Yeah. Remnant Excavator gets lets you have it after you green sun zenith for it. Yeah. So you could green sun for the Remnant and get a land back. This is going to need to untap. Yes. And that's why I think it's not going to get there. I'm going to say this. This is a card that, like, in later episodes, when we talk about building budget decks, this is close to Ramen Up Excavator. Uh, what's Ramen Up? Like, eight, eight $9 card? This is an uncommon. It's probably going to be, like, a 2 $3 card. You this know? is significantly worse in that yes. you having to attack, to untap to get the land. When you attack, that's when you put the land in, which means that you can't have it in your first main phase after you have untapped with it. There, there's a lot of hurdles that having to attack changes about getting an additional land out of your yard the difference though that if this card does see play in certain metagames is if death touch is actually meaningful in any capacity maybe if eldrazi was everywhere this might be yeah because you could legit block with it all the best decks have creatures that have evasion so i don't see this making it over Raminat because it's just not as powerful. Yep. Emoin Mystic Trickster. It's like hard thing to say, too easy things to say. Emoin Mystic Trickster. This is another three mana card. It's a two and a blue for a two three human rogue wizard ward two. And at the beginning of your instep, if you have the initiative, draw a card, draw another card if you've completed a dungeon. This is one of those initiative cards, but I, you know, I kind of thought it gave you the initiative too, but it doesn't. I, I don't know. I think next, right? Of all of the cards that we've talked about with the initiative so far, this one's the closest in that. It being a three mana two three with Ward two, Ward two is actually relevant text and yeah. it means that it's a little bit more interesting. But the fact that it doesn't actually do anything unless something else has given. Yeah, you we the need initiative. a we need a card to like make make the initiative happen, and I I haven't really seen anything like that. So that's not thing, that the, other guy. Like once again, you're spending three mana for two three, which is not a relevant body. And then in order to draw a card, you have to have done something else. Yeah. Earl will give you the card plus put himself in the graveyard plus gain you three life. The walkers all give you selection plus another static powerful ability that just makes it so that your opponent doesn't get to have any fun. It's it's the the power level is too high. All right, here's uh, a weird one. Wild Magic Surge destroy target. It's two red mana for an instant. Destroy target permanent and opponent controls. Its controller reveals the top card of their library until they reveal a permanent that shares a card type with that permanent. They put that onto the battlefield and the rest onto the bottom in random order. I, I like the only thing I can think of is like you're a mono, you're like that mono red prison deck, and you're like I'm just going to get rid of this thing because it's a it's stopping me from playing the game or whatever. But like aside from that, I really can't think of anything off the top of my head. It just looked like a, it's a really cool effect in mono red. Yeah, if there was a mono red deck, if there was maybe a mono red combo deck that needed a way to remove the permanent that's keeping them from winning the game, but it's not guaranteed. You know, as is the case with a lot of red cards. I mean, if it sees play, it's going to see play in that type of role player 
it's going to be your it's really piece, tough in a but... non-singleton format because like there's a very good chance like let's say you need to get rid of that enchantment there's a very good chance your opponent is playing more than one of that enchantment it might be the only enchantment in his deck right yes it's just gonna it's hit like, it again it, yeah it, it is one of those things where if my opponent if i'm i the, when i read this card I, I always the first thing that always comes to mind is like what what's the lens that this would be played against me in and i'm thinking to myself i'm like well i'm playing miracles with counterbalance and if they like use their wild magic surge to hit my counterbalance <laughs> and I'd you be missed like, okay the, the best like, part would okay, be that resolves, you revealed I'll... counterbalance with it and countered it instead <laughs> i even if i missed i'd be like okay counterbalance dies i will flip cards until i reveal my other counterbalance and put yeah. it into play you know what a bunch of daggers yeah. um yeah so yeah i just think that's it's just a neat effect and it's something to like keep in your back pocket as like a maybe maybe you'll you need that later on kind of thing you know what this reminds me of that didn't see any play, but also had this uh, like a similar wow effect when you first read it because it's cheap and it's an instant. Um, I mean, this one was a sorcery, but it's the the white, white sorcery that like removed something and then your opponent could put a permanent from their hand into play. And that never saw any play because oh, you just ritualed wow. your opponent if their, board, if their board was crazy. But it did something similar. It was like destroy a permanent and then they get to put something in from their hand, which, you know, is more or less similar to this. And yeah. It's just not good. There's too many cards that just remove things without giving your opponent something back. Yeah. Uh, All right. Next is Mystery Key. This is a two-mana equipment that says equip for one. And when a crypt creature deals combat damage to a player, sacrifice Mystery Key if you do draw three cards. This is like a a thing where, like, I don't think it's outwardly great, but I like drawing three cards. And I could see thinking about playing this in uh, eight cast. I just don't think I would right now. You have you have so many cards that draw cards that don't require you to jump through well, so yes. many hoops. That's that's the thing is if this was one mana, if it was one blue, I'd be in. I'd be in in a second. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so, I, mean, I think here's it's the thing. one mana too expensive. The, the thing is, is that like it, it, when you on its face, it looks like it's a two mana draw three potentially, but it's not. It's three it's mana, mana draw, draw three. three that also that, three mana draw three that required you to have a creature that required that creature to get in. So and also, like, just... come on, you can't give me, like, a plus one, plus O or something? You know, like, give me something. i get you yeah. with a key. It, it's, too, it's too much. Like, the payoff get is in nice. Like, stick them with the key. Ancestraling <laughs> is obviously a, a, a big deal, but even if there was, like, some kind of, if it was an enabler of some kind, like, if this also was equip discard a card, because then you draw cards as the payoff, like, Okay, so what about, what about, how do you feel about this and, and Emery? No. What? No? No. Emery's not attacking. No, Emery's getting this back. Yeah, but if you wanted to do that, you're just bringing back your uh, your thought monitor. Yeah, but we're thought already, monitor costs seven, here, man. Come on, get out no, of here. No, it doesn't. A thought it. monitor costs one or two. <laughs> what are you talking about? Early, early on, though, you're not gonna. I mean, I, I, I get. Dude, I get come on, you're, you're not. You're you're not spending your first turn going. Okay, let me play two artifacts so I can put Emery into play, and then on turn two, if I have fast mana, <laughs> let me sleeve up my Emery and get in there, like. <laughs> That's not, that's not, that's not what that, that's I'm just doing. saying getting this back with Emery doesn't seem like the worst. Uh, but I think, I think you're right. You'd rather, you'd rather do other things. Next is a card. I actually think we'll see play and that's Sailor's Bane. This is a nine mana seven, seven, uh, has ward four. It says this spell costs one less for each card you own in exile and in your graveyard. That's an instant sorcery or a card that has adventure. So I like this specifically because of that exile clause, because this also counts your force of wills too. I think that this card is the the the, the closest thing to legacy playable so far in this set. The actual powerful part about it is the the exile clause, like you said. I think oh, that wait, wait. if your opponent, no, you got it. Go on. Was gonna say if your if if your opponent like 
nowadays when people are playing against something like blue red if they bring in their ley line of, of ley line of the voids or if they bring in their rest in peace those are big deals and will you know turn off your murktide regions exactly. whereas for sailor's bane sailor's bane just doesn't care sailor's doesn't bane care. is going to be a two mana seven seven once you have the instance of sorceries re- required to, to cast it so it, it is way easier for you to just jam this through your opponent's hate uh, because it doesn't care about graveyard hate. It, it, it is uh, it is like a, a really powerful threat though like the idea yeah. that the 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 idea that this just doesn't care like it cares about things in your graveyard but it doesn't care about graveyard hate and that yeah, is exactly th- that is that is a monumental difference in how you yeah, evaluate i, th- I think the number of times someone's completely just gotten me when i played rug delver and like turned off my they played like uh rest in peace turned off my nimble mongoose and my goif like if i had this i'd just be like all right keep i'm just gonna keep trucking you know whatever make a seven seven yeah the difference is that like this is going to like this will be very good against the decks that are trying to beat you on the axis of dealing with your graveyard whereas this type of card will be way better against decks that are dealing with the graveyard or looking at the graveyard as the, the the weakness to to exploit whereas creature decks that can get can just stand in the way of a seven seven and don't care about a fat beater because this thing doesn't have evasion, it doesn't have trample. So, you know, just a bunch of bodies in the way is really going to be where this where the flaw in this card is. Yeah. But I think there will be an interesting dance of if your opponent is going to bring in graveyard hate, if you pivot and bring in Sailor's Bane and they're not playing a bunch of chump blockers, at, at what will likely happen is this will just be the abyss in that position. And I am not sold on this card being ubiquitous in Legacy, but I'm sold on it seeing play in Legacy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, next is, this one's a, this is a wonky one. Uh, it's one of those adventure cards. I chose Gray Slad. Uh, it's got Entropic Decay, which is a, a, a black, a colorless sorcery that says mill four cards. And then it is a 4-1 uh, for uh, one black and two colorless. It says as long as there are four more creature cards in your graveyard, it has Menace and Death Touch. I, I think the thing I'm looking at here is the the mill four cards aspect of this. Um, also, being able to play it as a you know as a menace for one is is nice, but this is like a possible enabler uh, for other decks. I think I don't see it because I think it's too expensive for what it is. And like menace and death touch is fine, but not on a three mana spell. And milling four cards for two mana ain't it? Maybe if this card was like if you had four more cards in your, four more creature cards in your graveyard, you could cast it from your graveyard. Now we're talking, but. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking I, I, like, you know, in Dredge where you want those things. I, like, I, look, Dredge is going to probably say, I don't play enough Dredge to know, but I'm sure a Dredge player is going to be like, no, there are so many thousand other better ways to get creatures into the graveyard or to yeah. get anything in the graveyard. But there, there are. Milling, milling four cards, hitting a Dredger, and then and then being able to go from there is, see, it seems enticing. This is milling, this is milling at sorcery speed, and you already have, you know, Faithful including careful study breakthrough like you're not you're not waiting till turn two to do this uh, okay this next one is is pure comedy it's band together it is a three mana instant so two in a in a green it says up to two target creatures you control each deal their con their uh da- each deal damage equal to their power to another target creature i'm just mad this doesn't have banding like they should have banding man yeah band it, together it, yeah the fact that it did it doesn't give two target creatures banding is really and they become just... bards you know like come yeah, on yeah but also the flavor text is amazing boo let's see how this miscreant handles a fury missile of justice a furry missile furry, of justice furry bro. missile of justice come on bro so that's yeah that's great i i just i i read this card i looked at it i showed it to my wife my wife loves hamsters 
This is this card's great. You should play it in all of your legacy decks. Uh, moving on to Reckless Barbarian is a two mana two two Dragon Barbarian that says sacrifice Reckless Barbarian to add two red mana to your mana pool. And the only thing I can think of for this is like this is a way to get almost is a uh, tender wall, right? It's a for like uh, Char Belcher. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I don't know enough about Char Belcher to say like would they want this no. when they obviously have a lot of a, a lot of other things that they can go with. But yeah, two mana, two mana, and then it, it can't attack you mana. No. All right, uh, Glinch the Bestower, all the way down the green cards. I just wanted to talk about this card because three mana. It's a one green and white. For an 05 flying jellyfish. So, at the beginning of your end step, choose a player. They put two plus one plus one counters on each creature they control. On a creature they control. Oh, on A. Reading that wrong. I was like, holy, I, I, I was like, holy crap, I read that card wrong initially. Uh, on a creature they control and choose a second player to draw a card. The third part of this is never going to happen, never going to uh, happen in Legacy. But uh, of those two, basically every turn, you're either drawing an extra card and putting a plus one, plus one counter on your opponent, uh, on or two plus one, plus one counters on one of your opponent's creatures, or vice versa. You're putting two plus one, plus one counters on one of your creatures, and they're drawing an extra card. There's something that I'm missing here that I'm going to ask. If your opponent doesn't have a creature, you can't target them with the two plus one, plus one counters, right? Because it doesn't say put two plus one, plus one counters on up to a creature they control. No, no. It, it says choose. It, yeah, it says choose a player. So you choose a player. Boop, I'm choosing right. Phil, I'm choosing you. You're gonna put up to two target you're gonna put two target eh, two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control. But if I don't have a creature, fizzles. Then I, it just fizzles. Fizzles. And, and I'll draw and a card. You still draw a card. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying that in, in I, the, the best scenario is this is just a three mana O five flyer that is a howling mine. That hopefully yes. does not give your hopefully does not pump your opponent's creatures. But you have that choice, right? Like you can say, "Oh, okay, I'll pump this instead." You draw a card, but you're never doing that. There's I, I real, no world. I there's no this. world you would ever the, do that. The reason the reason I bring this card up is because it 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 feels like it would be playable if you got to choose the third option too. Like if it was like just create two treasure tokens. Yeah. yeah, like you're like, okay, you'll get two treasure tokens. I'll draw a card. Or, you know, like no. be, being able to have you would never, option. You would never give your opponent mana. You would never let them draw a card. You Fair would enough. only let them put two plus one plus one counters on a creature if they control no creatures. All right. Finally, the, the last the last card I have listed here, the Baba Yaga card. What's her name? Uh, Baba Lasaga, Night Witch. Oh, bro, you don't, you, you don't want to talk about Jan Jansen? <laughs> Jan, Jan, Jan. I feel, like, I feel like we should have to have... Uh, Nate on if we're going to yeah, talk yeah. about uh, we're, we're, three, three we're going to do, <laughs> do a specialty we're going to do episode about about the Mardu creatures just let Nate. Nate scream for like five minutes yeah <laughs> it'll just be Nate going <sighs> uh, yeah yeah just feeling just feeling so bad yeah 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 uh, all right so this is a uh, human warlock uh, for one a black a green it says tap and sacrifice up to three permanents if there were three or more card types among the sacrifice permanents, each opponent loses three life. You gain three life and draw three cards. Too much. Too many things. You need too many things. Sacrifice up to three permanents. You need too many other permanents. <laughs> well, you need not, so many permanents. You don't necessarily you will, need that many permanents. You need so, so many permanents. Creature on an artifact Bro. creature is, is two things. Bro, you need... You, okay, so you're telling me that you're going to wreck <laughs> your board? Yeah. yeah, I'm going. Let me let me let me sacrifice to my bolt, to healing, healing, uh, not healing, 
Vortex. I'm, I'm going to sacrifice Lightning my Baleful Strix and I'll land. Lightning I'm going to give up my entire board presence <laughs> just so I can... No, come on now. Fair enough. That's it, it just we're, that's we're, interesting, we're, and it says draw three, so we have to talk about it. I, I think the other card that if you, we want to talk about, which is also... We can wait for Nate on this one also, is uh, Mahadi Emporium Master, which is a, another three drop, obviously. But it's one black red for a 3-3. Three, three. At the beginning of your end step, create a treasure token for each creature that died this turn. Now, I know that there are we, there are ways that we can spam death triggers and netting uh, treasure at the end of your turn for all of those that happened is pretty good. I wish this card were a zombie. I would love to be able Cat to level. sacrifice my grave crawler a bajillion times and make a bunch of tokens on the end step, but that is not the case. But it is still a powerful effect that gives you stuff for free if you're doing something that I assume your deck would already want to be doing. So that actually is an interesting card. It won't see any play in Legacy, but it is. it, is, it looks pretty powerful. That's kind of all I had. I didn't see any artifacts that looked like they were worth talking about. No. I guess I guess let's talk about the commander cards that, that are out because there's a couple of those that are worth that are worth just giving a shout out to. I don't think there's a ton in the set that have yeah, you know, that have been spoiled so far. I think everything's been spoiled at this point. Yeah, I think um, the whole thing's spoiled, yeah. Yeah. So Delayed Bat Blast Fireball is interesting. Uh, but I don't think playable. That is a one mana, uh, sorry, one colorless and two red for an instant says delayed blast fireball deals two damage to each creature and each opponent, or sorry, each opponent and each creature they control. If this spell is cast from exile, uh, it deals five instead, and it's got foretell of six. So if you cast it for six, you deal five damage to the whole board and to your opponent. Uh, Crazy. It's not you. It's cool, but like, I mean, wouldn't you just rather play with like Bonfire the Damned? Sure would. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, you gonna play? You gonna play Maze's End with all these new gates? I, I actually, uh, I, I have a. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a commander deck right now. Actually, it's gonna be go. Garth. Garth uh, one. Garth will Gates. Be the, will be yeah, yeah. Garth Gate. Garth Gate. Yeah. And I can be like, I can keep playing the Jimi Hendrix song behind me while I'm like, there you go, dun, yeah. Dun, 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 Foxy. And when I put the final the final gate down, I can say, you know, it's like we're looking at Wayne's basement. But that's not Wayne's basement, Garth. I think what that's is, a haiku. There, there, there was. I thought there was a a good gate card for the gate deck. I mean, gates can't exist in Legacy because Wasteland exists and they don't yeah. actually do anything and they're all bad. But and they all come into play tap. But, uh, and I'm somebody who's you know pretty forgiving for lands that come into play tap because I play a lot of Mystic Sanctuary. Yeah. But um, as as good as Baldur's Gate looks in uh, you being able to be your um, Cabal coffers for gates, it is uh, not going to be good enough for Legacy. Yeah. So. Well, before before we spoil the final card, the last card to talk about, let's talk about Moxfield real fast. Talk about Moxfield. Moxfield is an amazing deck building website that you should be checking out. Go to moxfield.com. Check that out. Uh, they it, it uses Scryfall, so you can tag your entire uh, deck differently. You can find cards really easily. The site looks super good on PC, on Mac, and on mobile. You don't need an app. Uh, it's a great place to share uh, legacy decks. It's also a great place to sh- share commander decks. I apparently, I, I I have something like 70 commander decks and, and, and a good amount of legacy decks on there. So you can check out our link below. It, it, it costs you nothing to check it, to check it out. Uh, it's completely free. It doesn't even, it doesn't even affect us. We don't get like a, a click thing for it. You're just going to do yourself a favor and you're going to be checking out a very, very nice website that you should be using instead of like tapped out or something. Why are you still using tapped out? Stop it. 
Stop using how about how, how about, how about Get out of here. Yeah. Stop that. Do Moxfield. Stop using archaic methods uh, like Phil. Quit using freaking post-it notes to write your deck ideas. So many post I, before Moxfield, before Moxfield, my desk, my desk area, my 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 place of work uh, here at home was just overloaded yeah. with post-it notes full of deck lists that were bad. And then yeah. I took them and I posted them to Boxfield and then the deck lists were great. And now they're good. So, and now the decks are good. Now they're good deck lists. Yeah. yeah. We have one more card. One more card that I just wanted to point out that we didn't say is that of all of the gates, the actual good gate card is Heap Gate. Uh, Heap Gate is a gate that produces a colorless or attached with another mana source to make a mana of any color. That stuff's all, that, that's shitty. But if you tap one mana plus it plus another gate, that means the three mana, that means you get a treasure token. Now, before I was on Moxfield, I had a bunch of post-it notes <laughs> with a bunch of cards like that. And now that I'm on Moxfield, all of my deck lists don't have any cards like that. And it's way better. Yep. All right. Our final card is Deep Gnome Terromancer. It is another white tutu with flash that has mold earth. Whenever one or more lands enters the battlefield under opponent's control without being played, you may search your library for a planes and put it onto the battlefield tapped and shuffle. You can do this only once per turn. Man, Phil, this card seems like a card that like I feel like I feel like you could do it. I feel like you could be like, you know what? I'm gonna ramp in I'm gonna ramp in uh in Azorius. I'm gonna get my get my tapped uh tundra and uh and just feel good about myself and maybe swing in for a couple of points of damage. Everybody who's like, oh, this only works when your opponent casts a cultivate or some shit. No, it works on every fetch land. Fetch because lands. a fetch land yeah, puts a land lands. into play. Without them playing it from hand, it's bonkers in EDH. Like you're you're gonna be putting in EDH. Yeah, gonna have your whole, like you've got three opponents. They're all gonna be ramping. It's all you everybody's, do in EDH. Everybody's fucking playing nature's lore in EDH, but yep. nobody's doing that in Legacy. So again, similar to the other white card that cared about when your opponent searches libraries, this one will care about fetch lands, and that's pretty much it because there isn't anything else that really puts lands into play outside of hand. Even Uro only puts lands in from hand, so. It's really only going to be fetch lands that this is going to ramp you. And the problem is that even when you flash this in, even when you get a fetch on the stack, play this mold earth gnome. Fuck you. Then <laughs> you're like, all right, dude, go get your land. You got me. And you functionally just played an instant speed rampant growth because you have a 2 2. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's all the cards, I think. That's all the cards. I, want to, I would like to uh, uh, postpartum apologize here for uh, all of my negativity on all of these cards uh, <laughs> that are cool, but just not there yeah, because unfortunately, 2019, yeah, just, 2019 to 2021. You know, we had, we had high hopes really for the set, I think, Phil. We had high hopes for the set because it was a, a commander set, skip standard, you know, and, and it turns out that they're just, they're just uh, you know, straight up fire printing standard into into being better than legacy a lot of times i think yes i'm looking forward to the next set which i think the spoilers will start dropping in about a week so we can start talking about that. oh 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 that's good that's gonna have a little bit more breathing time i thought they were gonna be spoiled in the next half hour so get that hype train we're, going right yeah let's get let's hype it up <laughs> anyhow uh thanks for joining us on this never-ending hype train that is spoiler season for the last like year and a half that's it for us. Once again, I'd like to thank our Patreon sponsors. If you're a Patreon person, rule. You're helping us out a lot. We're able to make some really cool content because of you. We've got a whole bunch of ideas in the pipeline, too, that uh, that I think you're going to really like. Phil uh, did a uh, new intro for Cantrip Cartel, so you should go over and check those guys out and hear Phil's new intro. Uh, I sure what else? What else? I'm also, also if the, the Cantrip Cartel intro, go over there, check those guys out. They're great. I, I think the intro is pretty good. 
And I uh, hope, uh, hope uh, you did, uh, hope, uh, you did uh, all the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Turn one, exploration. Turn these fields, crop rotation. Sifton, meadows, elves are playing in. Bajuka, bog green, jogs away. Then we cast our way into the north. Dark depths abound, the legend scores of merit lage. In its slumber, Valakut awakens. Clash of thunder, the mountains crumble into rubble. Blackstone splits the ground asunder. Flames arise, tectonic tumbler evolving. Wilds fill the bunkers. We venture to the tabernacle where reliquary. Nice to battle with riders from the avalanches who destroy plants, farm trees, and ranches. The journey seeking the mox diamond, a piece of where no one could find a kaleidoscope of ancient magic to fuel their whole world's demographic. The secret to its potent mana derives from the lands that have been abandoned. Where Obosh is near a companion, a demon, horror, nightmare, alien. Abruptly, the blood boon arises. Simeon spirits pray it guides them to the legendary eye of Ugin that harbors alien intruders who hoax the blind eternities. Warp worlds irreversibly, except Caracas, the lone safe haven where legends unite to fight to save them. They topple to the land of Thraden to break the vault where Hela stayed in, releasing demons, plagues, and angels. To fend off a disdainful But a demon's contract unfulfilled With a chain-veiled mage who's been instilled With everlasting youth and power Quakes the dead in a field of flowers Where grass blows off bright green aura That shimmers off the lotus cobras Who slither in a forbidden orchard Where the demon rests on holy torture The grotto gathers oath of druids Nine hermits who are nature fluent To call forth a shift of magma And banish the demon in a glacial of chasm But the heat that they just seal the ground Of the age-old ice that entraps the bound An avatar so diabolic Its reign of terror is catastrophic Vespians have told the tale of an avatar glow with boldest scales who blocks the sun and all its life engulfing worlds in eternal night where prairies are turned into Vesuvas the demon shape shifts into Garuda a kraken horror so infernal some flowers bend to become nocturnal changelings rampage on the islands waves cascade down on the highlands the dryad arbors drown in silence but the willows still burn in defiance the flames contain the evil minion whose tentacles flash down from the deepness and bash away the punishing fire cast by the trackers who will not tire fight to their death just like the Abzan the rhino sees the mile of python who wakes it's way up on the shore where it's scored then baked by a flash trip or which burst up from the sand below from the lonely sandbar which split and throws a royal that spins a tornado that flings large sharks across its airflow Rudas pulled into a whirlpool by for so strong dead eyes could twirl through the demon sealed down in the ocean as the forest morphs in slow motion the Avent Maya's cradle gathers the vegetation left in tatters revitalizes all its essence with misty colors effervescent rain falls on the vast horizon where Vasa waves her magic by then imprisoning the demon giant within the ties forever Silent, uh. What the hell, what it do?